Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Man, good morning. Morning, morning. How are you this morning? Oh, so good. A little bit tired, but actually really happy. So yeah. a little bit tired. So, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so good. So Guess dark, so who's good. been out partying. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't out. I was wild in. Wild party. A oh, wild party <laughs> in. It was at my house, so I didn't go out. I stayed in. <laughs> okay, so party party at the uh, party at the curry house. Party at Mon's place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm actually grateful uh, for this, even though like I usually don't eat that late at night. And we did have a big like cook up. We made pizza from scratch, like the dough, the sauce, everything. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, it was one of I our one of my housemates. Didn't invite. <laughs> yeah, how bad. It was one of <laughs> one of our housemates' uh, birthday yesterday, and so, so we much, had a, so much mo, so much had, mo. Yeah, you're not fear of missing out. You actually missed out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we had a little yeah. pizza party. Amo. I'm going to call this Amo. A- I had Amo. <laughs> yeah. Actually missing out. <laughs> I love it, Amo. Yeah, so we had a we had a dinner party last night, and you know what? Like, I'm so happy for I'm so grateful for birthdays. I praise the Lord for birthdays. I totes would not mind being twice my age if I could have two birthdays a year. <laughs> such a great excuse to get people together. Maybe, and- maybe maybe what you should do is next time you move state and move <laughs> job, uh huh, just give everybody just just just, just create two birthdays. Yeah, do you and know six what? months later say, hey, it's my birthday next week. Yeah. <laughs> Lyle, it's a brilliant idea. <laughs> and nobody nobody will know the difference. I love it. And you'll have two right. birthday parties. All right. March 5th and March, April, May, June, July, August, and September 5th. September March 5th. 5th and September 5th. Okay, so we'll have two a- new birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> Best idea ever. I'm going to tell people at my workplace about this today. <laughs> my second job. Your September other job. September 5th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great. Thank you, Lyle. That's a brilliant idea. What are you grateful for this morning? I'm grateful that I am such a genius for coming up with such amazing ideas. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, the thing that I was grateful for, because this is the delayed broadcast, mm. um, and so you're getting this a day late, and so when we actually did the live show, I was grateful for D. D. Oh, vitamin D. Vitamin D. Okay, I got lots okay. of vitamin D yesterday. Yeah. The sun was shining. Was I was nice. working outside. Yeah, yeah. Yep. If the sun wasn't shining yesterday, it's because uh, this is like we just said the delayed broadcast. But you can yeah, jump or you weren't or you weren't living in the Newcastle area. Yeah, you can jump across the live show. It's actually super duper easy. People in Brisbane are like, "What are you talking about? It's sunny all the time." <laughs> um, or in Darwin, uh, give us a call one eight hundred Faith FM. We can uh, let you know how to get the delayed broadcast up in your area. In the meantime, just jump over already. You can do so by going to our website. It's faithfm.com.au or you can download the TuneIn app and listen to us there. But stay tuned. We have a great show coming up for you. Oh, hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem, and crown him Lord of all, crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon the strong and perfect place 
great high priest whose name is love Whoever lives in pleads for me to Anthem Lights with the Crown Medley here on Faith FM. Mon, hit us with the quiz. Yeah, do we want to continue the one that we started yesterday? Yeah, just give them the uh, couple of clues that we've already had from yesterday. Okay, and, no uh, This was the next one. So 1-800-324-843 is the number because you are going to get an easier clue because you should have been listening yesterday and already snapped up the prize. I'm just beginning to get... Did someone answer... Can I just ask the producers? Did someone answer this quiz yet? It's one that we started yesterday. I'm not okay. No one answered. Yeah, okay, no, cool. we didn't. Yep, no. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Because somebody did snap up the prize yesterday, and then we started a new one. That's right. And I just freaked out for a second there. Couldn't remember which one of the quizzes that they snapped up. Okay, this is a who am I quiz. The first clue that we gave out yesterday was this. Uh, Second Timothy tells that I was opposed by Janice and Jambres. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that one? Yep. Yep, and then the next clue is... I had a son named Gershom. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I had a son named Gershom um, saying that I have become an alien in a foreign land. And the third clue, which we're going to continue this morning... From Hebrews 11. Michael the archangel disputed no. with the oh, devil about my Jude. body. Jude. Did, we, did I give that one away? Michael the archangel disputed with the devil about my body. Was that one we did yesterday? Um, yes, we did do that one. Though. That's from the book of Jude. It's not The answer is not Jude. It's from found in the book of Jude. Yeah, you just need to be careful. You're, you're, you're cutting the fine there, mister. Yeah. Okay, who am I? Threading the needle. I chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to... No, I did this one as well. Yep. Rather to enjoy the pleasures of a sin... Of sin for well, a let's, short let's time. leave it there. So we've done a review yeah, on, on yeah. yesterday. That's let's, let's, one, let's start two, off with three, review. four clues in a go. Yeah, yeah. So Second Timothy tells I was opposed by Genesis and Jambres. I named my son Gershom, saying I have become an alien in a foreign land. Michael the archangel disputed with the devil about my body. I chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Okay, if you know the answer, you know the number. Give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number and you will get an amazing prize that Mon will tell you about in the next section. No, I'm going to tell you right now. Are you going to tell me right now? Yeah, because it's still the prize from yesterday. It's a beautiful copy of The Ministry of Healing by E.G. White. Really lovely book. Just such a beautiful, heartwarming book. And you can get that one for free if you can tell me the answer. There you go. Yeah. You can text your answer, by the way. 0491 064 669. Don't have to talk to us. It's fine. Fantastic. 
What have we got in positively different oh, news, Mom? Lyle, I've got such a cool story. It comes with a great pun as well. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Do you know much about, um, you know, the, the process that happens in Australia or in America, like first world countries when someone dies? Like, you know, how you go to a funeral home and you have to do the whole, like, organising the funeral and all the different options. Well, there's only two different options, burial or cremation, right? Pretty much in Australia, that's all we have. Yeah, that's it, actually, by law, the only options you have both here and in the States, okay. except for this one US state that has just changed the law two months ago. Uh, for it, 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 it's, I, can't, I can't believe this. This is so cool. They've approved human composting. That's a really good yep. idea because ever since I was a kid, I've always said, bury me under the fruit tree. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, um, seriously. And there's a lady. Put me to good use. I'm going to talk about the lady who's sort of been the linchpin on this. Um, and she, you know, she has, she's actually written a book and it's, it's a guide basically to eco-friendly burials. And they've nicked her, nicknamed her the Green Reaper. <laughs> Isn't that great? Uh, so her name is Elizabeth Fournier. I'd, I'd put this in my will. I'll tell you right now. I'd put oh, this in my will. Same, Make it legal. Same. I'll put it in my will. I'm and like, we need to discuss that because a lot of people tree. know how it is they want to be dealt with when they go, but a lot of them have haven't actually communicated that to people. So there's statistics about that. Yeah. Um, but this is really great. So she, uh, her name is Elizabeth Fruner, and she's a bit of a hero. This, this is my, my opinion, book. by the way. I, I yeah. completely respect well, other people yeah. who want to be in a coffin yeah, yeah. and those who want to be in a, you know, But we do need to have the reality like of these coffins because I didn't know this about coffins before reading this this uh, this piece, this, this article. And so now that I know, I am a bit more opposed to it. Um, so, so Elizabeth Fruner has a funeral home in Oregon, right? And um and she specialises in eco friendly um funerals. So she has like w- wicker caskets. So like you know how you have like wicker furniture and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a wicker basket basically, and it's actually really beautiful as a casket. It's it's really beautiful, um you know and uh, and it it doesn't take nearly as long as to compose, and it's totally safe for the environment. I didn't realise that wooden wooden coffins are actually like chemically treated and are just devastating. They're like full of pesticides and they're devastating to the environment. I didn't realise that at all. Yeah, and then you've got all of the uh, materials that are on the inside, yeah. all the padding and the foam uh-huh. and the cloth it's and pollution. the synthetics. And, yeah. and it really, it's really, there's really no point for it because when they're gone and buried, they're gone and buried. Like, does it really matter to us? It's in, good in, for archaeology. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Where would archaeology be if it wasn't for... Coffins. Coffins. Yeah. And embalming and so forth. But this is the other thing I didn't realise, right? And this is like this is particularly important. So the traditional sort of chemically treated wood coffins uh, and the other various methods like concrete burial vo- uh, vaults, liners, cremations, urns, cemetery trace, embalming, all of it is really, really expensive. In fact, the You're average erotic, cost yeah. for a, a funeral is ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand. Don't spend ten thousand bucks on yeah. me when I'm gone. Yeah, give it to me now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, when I'm gone, just spend yeah. a, spend a couple of hundred dollars and hire a digger. Yeah, that's it. Like, I'm not interested in having like my family or anyone pay ten thousand dollars to stick me in the ground at Basically, all. Basically, what it is is trading on people's emotions. Exactly, exactly what it is. So, in addition to like adding this financial burden to the backs of grieving families, a lot of these burial methods really are notoriously toxic for the environment. And so, Elizabeth, um, she's decided not; nah, she's going to go the other way. And uh, she actually started this in 2016. Uh, get this right; she decre- she created biodegradable urns. You'll never guess out of what, out of drier lint, flour, and water. 
Oh, nice. Isn't that incredible? Mm-hmm. Dryer lint. I just chucked out a whole bundle of dryer lint from my drying machine. And you could have got buried in it. I could have I could have been saving that up. Could have been paying for my own fuel right there. Um, but she actually started this as a as like a means to supply. Uh, funeral services to poorer families who couldn't afford traditional funeral costs. Um, she also has been doing like discounted services to low-income families. Um, she's facilitated dozens of funerals for people who've lost their children. Um, she doesn't charge them a cent. Like if you've lost a child, she won't charge you a cent. Um, That's amazing. She's she's really become a hero in my eyes. Like I just read about this woman and she's just incredible. Here's a picture I'm going to show you, Lyle. You can look this up online, listeners, um, of a Wicker Casket. There's nothing... It's really nice. It's like it's classy, it's dignified, there's nothing um, shabby or or subpar about it all, about having a wicker, wicker casket. Okay, can you be buried legally in this state yeah. without a casket? Just in the ground, oh. in dirt, just like... I don't think so. I don't think so, because that's just where the legalities come in. And this is what's cool, that the, the laws have changed in Oregon. So what's, what's the... Why do you have to be in a casket? I, I, don't, I don't want to be I in a casket know. at all. I mean, hey, it's biodegradable, that's great, but... I just want to be in the dirt. I don't know because she she said you know as long as the mortuary board is happy with me um, and she's being ethical she can continue doing what she does. Um, you know she said if a family is truly having a hardship she's no issue giving services away. Okay, what laws had to change to allow for wicker caskets? Um, so it was let me scroll down. Yeah, the Washington State legislation at the end of May it happened. Actually, it wasn't that hard ago. The bill, which is called SB five zero zero one, makes Washington the first U.S. state to legalize human composting, also known as liquid cremation. Up until the law was passed with a sweeping bipartisan support, which was. 80 to 60 in the House and 38 to 11 in the Senate. The only legal methods of post-mortem funeral processing were cremation and burial. So now bodies can be naturally processed into clean, odorless soil that can nourish the planet by taking up without taking up any space in a crowded, pesticide-laden cemetery. Okay, so you don't have to be in a casket. You'll be, be turned into liquid. You'll be yeah, you're turned into liquid and then and then stuck into soil. So you can actually clean odorless soil to be no. So you mm-hmm. can actually have your dream lyle. You yeah. know, not only would they stick yeah. you in the soil, you, they'll first turn you into soil and stick you in soil. So okay. I reckon the reason you can't just be like just chuck a body in a in a in a plot is probably because of health issues. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, yeah. I understand that. And uh, you know, if you put a, a body in the wrong place, then it's not such a great idea. But hey, putting all of those chemicals into the same place is um, also not, not great a good idea. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, yeah. And, you know, generally people are. Uh, you know, you stand at six feet down, and that's a uh, a fair way down for something that is naturally composting. It's going mm-hmm. to be, you know, pretty safe at that level. Yeah. Well, I doesn't go into a water supply or something like that. But even, you know, even if it does, it's it's passed through so much soil by the time it gets into groundwater that it's purified. Yeah. Oh, well, this reading about this option to be turned into soil is like it's now my my. That's how how I want to go. I usually think that I'd like to be cremated and then have my, my ashes scattered in different oceans all over the planet and then see where I pop up at the second coming. Ha! But now I think I'd like to really like push up daisies. Like really, literally push up daisies. I'll be like the fertilizer for like a patch of garden or something. That'd okay, be great. Okay, so we will plant daisies on top of that, uh, yes, that patch please. of because you are going <laughs> to daisy, our, yeah. our uh, dress-up night as a daisy. But apparently. hey, if you want more information, Elizabeth Fronia has written a book. It's called The Green Burial Guidebook, Everything You Need to plan an affordable, environmentally friendly burial. So if you're interested by this piece, give that book a look up, The Green Burial Guidebook.
Welcome back, everybody. That was Savannah Ellis with Love You Never Let Me Go here on Faith FM. Give us, is this the last clue for, for this quiz? Uh, it is, but I can split it into two. Okay. Do you know the answer, Lyle? Yeah. I wrote um, down yesterday. Oh, that's right. You did too. Okay, so. To carry over. Carry over quiz from yesterday. Carry over quiz. Still, still going. Still valid. Uh, okay, the next clue is this. Aaron is my brother. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, moving on with more serious stories from around the world. Uh, a couple of different stories here to talk about. Maybe what should we start with? Okay, the United States is in the process of rolling out um, new social media vetting. What do you mean? So whenever you apply for a visa, you have to give all of your social media names and handles and details and email addresses, and they will then run your all of your social media uh, activity through an algorithm to decide whether you are worthy to enter the United States or not. That's so dodge. That's I mean, it's so stupid because first of all, you could just say, like, I personally actually do not have Facebook, right? Yes. And how's it going to prove that I do? Well, I guess there's probably a way of figuring that out. I'm, I'm sure there's a way of digitally figuring out, does Monry, is, is she telling yeah. the truth I could be li- I could be lying the last 10 years. I might have a Facebook account. but I, like, Maybe you do. Maybe who knows? <laughs> Let's the go government stretching. certainly don't. But this is crazy because anyone could just lie and say, "No, I don't have it." No, they can't do that because they will. They will soon find out that you do have it, and no, they if won't. they find out that you do have it, then they are. Yes, they will. They've, that's not hard to do. It's, it's it's not hard with Instagram. We don't have to give any details or prove anything whatsoever. They, I think you underestimate their sneakiness. I think they underestimate my sneakiness. No. <laughs> <laughs> they will but find you is, out. Be sure, thing, right, be sure your social media will be found out. But this is the thing, right? I do have an Instagram account and it probably wouldn't be that hard to find. But the reality is I also have multiple Instagram accounts. And whilst I might hand over one, if I don't want to hand over the others, I'm not going to hand them over. Yeah, and they're just going to find them and say, well, she's refusing how to handle stuff. How are they going to find them? They're like completely unrelated to me. Like I've literally set up completely different email accounts attached. There's nothing nothing attached to me whatsoever. It's like it's, like its own little island out there. Okay, yeah. so... No, they can find you. I know they can find you. I, I will. I will. Yeah, just for the record, though, before everyone thinks I'm yes. into something dodgy, it's actually for, just for work purposes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand that. But I just wanted to give an example. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. they will find you. There won't be a problem. Um, <coughs> I sound like Trump there. Why not? Yeah, 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 yeah. Won't be a problem. Okay, but they will find you. And if so, if you don't give your handles over, um, then you don't get a visa. You know, or if you try and hide some of your social media, and they find that you have some social media that you've hidden, you don't get a visa. And, of course, what they're looking for is, is once they've got all of those, they then run all of your activity for the last five years through an algorithm to determine whether you are a terrorist or not. I think it's only a dangerous. And so if you're a millennial or um, a, a Generation Z, probably this is more of a millennial term, you know, where something's really cool and you call it, it's just the bomb. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, you use that term sometimes, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh, you use that on social media and suddenly you're going to be red flagged. I th- it, I think it's going to be crazy because there's going to be a lot of people who are like having gripes about the president and saying this and this and just oh, just course. saying things and just Because at the moment, at the moment all of the uh, the right-wing people are going to be favored and the left-wing people are not going to be favored and then when the government changes, it could easily go the other direction. I think we're entering into quite dangerous territory, to be honest. Well, the other thing is that, you know, you get information like this, it's disseminated, it goes out and it's like, okay, Everybody just shuts up on social media. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Like you see, when, this because is like I, a I, as soon as I think experience. about it, I think you know what? I don't need to share this on social media, so I won't because 
I like going to America sometimes. Yeah. You know, half of my family's in America. I'm married to an American. So. Do you think this is going to impinge on our, on our freedom of speech? Well, it already does simply by the fact that I stop and think before I post whether it will affect my visa chances in the United States because I have to have a visa to go to the United States because I've been to Iran. Um, and so it uh, it could affect my visa chances in the United States regarding what I post. So the George. mere fact that I have to stop and think about that impinges on uh, freedom of speech. Do you hear something crazy? And, and the dissemination of ideas and the discussion of ideas. So a few years ago when I was applying for a visa to go to the States, Lyle, and you know I've had lots of issues getting visas for the States, even just as a uh-huh, tourist. Uh-huh. Six years of visa denials, actually, for those of you who don't know. And I finally did get a visa, um, praise the Lord. And but this was all because Mon was ripped off by her boss, her uh, boss that she had. <laughs> dodgy the, boss. <laughs> dodgy boss at one stage. Yeah. Um, anyway, but uh, <laughs> one day, it was it was the day that I had to go to the embassy to do the interview and the whole process, right? And uh, which is just it's just the most nerve wracking thing you can imagine. And uh, and the day the night before, because I was thinking, I wonder if they have access to my social media. Like, I wonder if they're watching. I wonder if they can see who's coming up in the interviews. And they go and like research them before they come. You know, go through their stuff. And so I literally, with intention, put up a post on my Instagram about how much I love Australia and how I always call Australia home. And <laughs> Just so they wouldn't think that I had any plans to move to America. Because that's what they're all considered. They're considered about people going there and not leaving. And I was like, let me just maybe like nip that in the bud. And so <laughs> I literally did that with the and, thought that maybe they were watching my and this social. And this is the thing. You know, terrorists who want to go to the United States and cause trouble, all they have to do is to put up exactly those kind of posts about how much they love America. And it's easily manipulable. It's very, yeah, yeah. I mean, now that they know they're being watched, like, do you really so think, I think, I think, I think, I think this is a bit, I think this is a dodgy one. I don't think that it's going to be um, successful. It's just going to drive those, those dodgy conversations, those actual terrorist conversations to a different platform. Yeah. Because if they know they're going to be watched, then like... They're just gonna, they're not going to do it in, in eyesight. And, and how many people would, will get caught up just in you know benign political commentary that they've yeah. been talking about things, and suddenly it is. I predict you know, the the nuances which are slightly different because we might talk about something that's very cool as being you know it's totally the bomb here in uh, Australia in Australian English, but if you're in some different part of the world, you know, and you've got a younger generation using slang from in a different language, is all of that going to be picked up? You know, you just. I predict that in the coming years, there's going to be a lot of media coverage about people who are being denied entry who who shouldn't have been. Indeed. Anyway, moving on to uh, refugee camps in Lebanon. Uh, the refugee camps, uh, the refugees are being forced to demolish their houses. What? Why? Okay, so it works a little bit like this. Uh, Lebanon has a ban on permanent uh, houses in refugee camps because for the same reason, they don't want the refugees to stay. Mm-hmm. The Syrians, of course, have been there for about eight years now. Um, and so Lebanon is a country of six million people with an additional one million Syrian refugees. So that's a fair... That, that's a that's a big burden. You imagine if we had, you know, the equivalent number of refugees land here in Australia, what what people would be saying about that? But these people are genuine refugees. They've they've fled across the border. Uh, they've stopped in the first country that is giving them sanctuary, and of course they've been there for eight years now. So they've kind of settled down and they've built houses. Yeah, you know, basic homes, but they've built houses. And, you know, most of them, they're looking forward to one day being able to return to Syria, but that hasn't been allowed yet. 
but they the the Lebanese don't want them to stay, and so they're having to uh, demolish their own house. It'd be kind of sad to have to knock your own house down. That is really horrific, and, and I I tend to think that after eight years, haven't they figured out a way to make it work? I'm sure the, the economy is as stable as it was before well, it happened. This is one of the one of the things you know you you have to ask. You know what contribution that yeah. these people are making to the economy? Are they just a burden, or have they been able to make a contribution? It's like a million permanent tourists. Surely that income is, you know. And when you've lived in and a if place, they leave. If a million people leave suddenly like that, leave Lebanon overnight, it's just going to create a bit of a hole. Yeah, it's not exactly like tourists because they don't have uh, that kind funds. of funding, and they're mostly being funded. Mm-hmm. Rather than providing funds, but even if the money's coming in from the United Nations or you know various organisations, it's still going into the Lebanese economy somewhere along the line. Sure. Have they been able to get like legally get jobs now? I mean, after eight years. Well, when you lived in a place for eight years, it's your home. Yeah. I mean, there's some kids who only know Lebanon now. That's right. Yeah. Some of them were born in Lebanon. Some of them going you know, to school this, now. That's all they Lebanon. all they remember is Lebanon, and. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's just one of these one of these issues that we have in our world where, you know, I don't believe in open borders and I don't believe in just a free for all. I know we can have a debate on that time some, sometime <laughs> on. Yes, but uh, I do believe that the world needs to, when there are places where there is a crisis, we need to spread the load evenly. Yeah, you know, I don't around. believe that people should just leave a country as a refugee and say, oh, "I want to go to the richest country on the in the world." Yeah. No, they should be happy to go to any country that gives them safety mm-hmm. if they are a genuine refugee. Yeah. Um, but I do believe that the world should should uh, spread them out and yeah. bear the burden. Uh, I know down in uh, Tasmania, my brother's got a uh, Syrian guy who's working for him down there, um, who came out as a refugee and uh, is making a you know a great contribution to the um, Tasmanian economy. I mean, on the other hand, there is a bit of a conversation to be had about whether or not you know they want to be spread out because I would be devastated if, I, if you know something happened to Australia and suddenly I was ripped apart from all my friends. Yeah, but if something happened to Australia and I landed in PNG, I'd be thankful to be alive. Yes. and in a place where I can actually uh, contribute something. Give us a call if you have an opinion about this piece. Our number is one eight hundred Faith FM. That's one eight hundred three two four eight four three. We will be right back with Pastor Marcus Mundell. so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take Him at His word Just to rest upon His promise Just to know, thus saith the Lord Jesus, Jesus. 
Back guys, that was Jaden Lavick with Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Before we go to our interview of the day, we have another clue for the quiz. Yes, 1-800-324-843 is the number. What do you got for us there, Mon? Okay, so clue number, I've lost count of how many clues we've given away for this one. But who am I? Miriam is my older sister. Okay, some who was that? time watching over me when I was a little kid. So there's some easy clues. We're going to have some more obscure ones coming up to uh, test your brains, but give us a call. There's a prize coming your way if you can get the answer to this one. Uh, but joining us in the studio is this morning is Pastor Marcus Mundell. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's actually really exciting having Pastor Marcus Mundell here, Lyle, because Pastor Marcus and his family, uh, his wife in particular, have really inspired me over the last two years. So I don't know whether you realize, uh, Pastor, but I actually attended your workshop at Big Camp. So big, we all know about Big Camp. We broadcasted live from Big Camp, like what, in April? It's like the biggest annual event in uh, the northern part of New South Wales christian event that there is yeah up at stewart's point and it's a really great time you know there's all kinds of programs and you know different uh tents for the different kids and stuff like that but also different tents for the adults and uh, i went to your workshop which was every day and it was uh the kingdom builders workshop which was really really inspiring and uh and really helpful and it's all about um financial health really 
Yeah. And uh, it was fabulous. And I actually went last year and I loved it so much. I went again this year. And if you're doing it next year, I'll come again. <laughs> That's how much I liked it. But it really was such an important topic. And I kept pestering Lyle to get you on, on air, um, Pastor, because it's such an important conversation um, that more people need to be having. And I, I just really love what you and your wife are doing uh, for the community. Because I think there's so many people who think that just this blanket statement of, you know, money is the root of all evil. Christians shouldn't have anything to do with money. We shouldn't be bothered with money. We should just like close our eyes and blindly walk through money issues and just let God lead, which is such a irresponsible way of doing money. And, um, and I love all the sound and savvy advice. And I'm just really stoked to have you on the show today. And on the way, <laughs> on the way to work this morning, Lyle's like, so, Mon, you've been to his workshop. You should have lots of questions. And I'm like, no, Lyle, I have all the answers. You should have, <laughs> you should have lots of questions because you didn't go to the workshop. <laughs> okay, so first of all, uh, Marcus, you're a, you're a pastor. I am, yes. So does that mean that you're also a financial advisor or are you just somebody who studies the Bible and shares biblical principles on financial management? I am not a financial advisor. I do not have that license, so there's a lot of personal advice I cannot give in this country uh, regarding some things. But people say, why would you listen to a pastor then that doesn't have any financial training for any financial advice? Well, if you consider that the, 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 the Jewish people, even in today's world, are very, very highly regarded. Um, some of the world's most famous, you know, in America, the top 400 wealthiest people, 25% of them are Jewish, even though Jews only are 2% of the American population. Um, have you ever heard of Mark Zuckerberg? Yes. yes. He's a Jew. Yes. <laughs> you know, in China, they're releasing recently heaps of different books, how to, how to get the most out of the Talmud, which is a portion of the Bible, uh, how to be rich like the Jews. They revere the Jews. They want to follow the Jews in China to get wealth. It's world-renowned that Jews have wealth. Why? Because they follow the scriptures. So as a pastor... Okay, so you're a pastor. You're super well-qualified then to give financial advice because the Bible is the greatest financial book that there is. Exactly. Those secrets come from God. Yeah, fantastic. And I understand um, that uh, you were um, running a program, I think, even as recent as last night. What, t- tell us about that. Yes, we're in Kempsey right now running a weekly, once-a-week program, our Kingdom Builders class. To those people that want to come, it's at 6.30 in the city center, a city motel um, conference room um, each week. And, yeah, we're just trying to teach people about about money. And a lot of Christians have this false uh, notion that when you become a Christian, you must take a vow of poverty. I hate that thing. And you're not allowed to have any money. Yeah. And yet you look through the Bible history, mm. some of the greatest people throughout biblical history were extremely wealthy people. They're rolling in it. That use their wealth to bless others and to build God's kingdom. And God's looking for men and women today that can handle that money. If we want to use it for selfish reasons, it's, it's going to be a curse to you. But if you use it, if your out, outlook is to what can I do to bless the world around me, what, you know, I'll be, I'll be a blessing. Um, as Margaret Thatcher, Thatcher once famously said, she said, no one would remember the good Samaritan if he only had good intentions. That's right. He had money as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Okay, so let's, uh, rev- let, let's flip that equation then. When you become a Christian, you know, it does not require taking a vow of poverty. Couldn't agree more. Does that mean becoming a Christian will make you rich? Because, I mean, we look at the Jewish people and we say, oh, they're all rich, so therefore we'll uh, follow, their, you know, follow the Jewish people and uh, Christians will all, all be rich as well. Research has shown that when people become a Christian, they do become more wealthy. 
Oh wow, that's, that's actually that's actually a fact. And you know, Wesley, John Wesley, um, kind of talked about this. Says when you become a Christian, because you give up things in the world that you shouldn't be doing, like the drink, etc. You end up and you're you're frugal with your finance, and you're 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 helping other people. God blesses you, and then you become more prosperous, and you're more likely to forget God. It's kind of this cycle he talks about, where there's a challenge when God blesses you with with wealth. What do you do with that? And if you're really committed to God, I guess it's a test of your faith. Are you there? Are we here in this world for ourselves, or are we here in this world for other people? That's very interesting that it, it sort of cycles back again. But I, it doesn't surprise me at all that becoming a Christian, you get a better handle on your finances. Because, you know, God is a God of order, and he, he expects order in his house, and he expects you to have your house in order. And I often see, you know, when people come to, um, come to the church and start becoming Christian, a lot of, well, pretty much all aspects of their life start to get a bit more orderly. Mm. So, you know, their relationships, you know, start to have better boundaries. Um, even their houses can sometimes be a bit more clean, cleaner and cleaned up. And, uh, and yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that they get a bit more responsible uh, with their finances as well. So it's really not a surprise at all. Yeah, and God calls us all to be uh, good stewards of yeah. what he's given us. And so when you understand that, then you say, well, how can I be... How can my marriage be better? How can my parenting be better? How can my health be better? How can my um, education be better? How can my finance be better? It's, it's When God impacts our life, he impacts all of our life. Does God want all of us to be rich? No. Okay. Well, I would, I'd actually argue that God does want us all to be rich, but he understands that some of us, that would be to our eternal loss. Yes. And so he chooses not to let that happen to us because he wants to save us for eternity. But in heaven... There's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God will make a way of escape that you will be able to bear it. And for some of us, that way of escape is uh, not being rich. (laughs) That's right. And, you know, in heaven, God's going to give us all a crown. He's going to give us all a robe. He's going to give us all golden streets to walk on. God's going to... We're all going to be filthy rich Mm -hmm. in heaven. So does God want us all to be rich? Yes, ultimately. But right now, that's... That's if that's up to each one of us. So there's no way to say that if you're poor, you're definitely a good Christian because you you know have that bogus vow of poverty. Poverty, but there's also no way to say that if you're rich, you know you, you you're doing the right thing. Like you can't really say say it about either. You can't just because Christians love to just tell you just tell me the rules and I'll follow it. Just do I have to be poor? Or can I be poor? Do I have to be rich? Or can I be rich? But there's really like it's neither. No, it's all about your relationship with Jesus. Yeah, that's right. And you want to do everything you can to help God in his kingdom. It's not about the money that you have or don't have. Some people don't have money, but they give of their time immensely. They give of their talents. They give of the, the gifts they've given. And um, that, that's, that's a greater blessing than money. So the kingdom, build, the kingdom Builders program that you've been running, which has been wildly successful in many parts of Australia, um, what's the foundation? What's the foundational principle? Um, is there is there a single great foundational principle that we can uh, begin with? I would say the single greatest foundation of the whole class is to give your whole life to God, because if if you have God in your life, you're gonna you you will automatically you have to win, you have to succeed, because God is a winner and He ultimately is going to triumph, you know, eternally. And Jesus Himself said, "What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul?" So we don't teach a get rich scheme. We don't we don't promote you to even though we tell young people they can easily become millionaires, it's not hard. If you follow God's biblical principles, it's not hard. But what value is it to become very wealthy in this world and lose your own soul? It means nothing. So the foundation really is that you gotta have God, you gotta be connected to God, number one. And then beyond that we go through and just teach people a lot of basics that people just don't know because 
in our world, I, it really surprises me that education around the world, whether it's a private or a public institution, we don't teach personal finance. No, we don't. This actually annoys me so much. I definitely think schools, high schools, should chuck out something useless and actually incorporate in a section there where they teach kids how to do their taxes, for goodness sake. Right. I think, you know, we, we do some business finance in university sometimes, but personal finance we don't we don't learn. And so all we're hearing is what the media wants to tell us or the ads on TV, <laughs> wallet wizard, cash train, yeah. you know, all these kind of things. Like if you're short on cash, just borrow it, get yourself in debt. You know, Australians are the wealthiest country in the world. If you look at the median wealth of the world, we are the country, the world's richest country. Wow. People say, I don't have too much. They compare themselves with someone on the leafy North Shore or whatever. But if you have a home and you have a car that's somewhere with the transportation, you have food to eat and clothes to wear, you're in the top 15%. But most Australians are one percenters. Wow. We are wow. extremely wealthy. But that being said, we have the world's highest debt. Oh, mercy. So are we content with the great blessings in this lucky country that we have, or are we still trying to grab more than we can actually afford? Now, your Kingdom Builders program actually goes through a series of, is it baby steps you call them? And uh, how many steps are there again? Uh, there, there we call them keys. Keys. We're not allowed to call them steps. Sorry. Okay, sorry, my bad. It's my bad, <laughs> I didn't right. know that. We call them keys or principles, mm-hmm. so we have 10 of them. Okay, 10 keys. Um, are you allowed to tell me what they are, just quickly run through them? Sure, I could do that. So number one, we talk about square field. We do a medieval, medieval theme. It's about you know complete allegiance to, 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 to Jesus, to mm-hmm. God. Uh, secondly, it's wield your sword, which is about a spending plan. Some people call it the budget. We call it a spending plan. We want you to tell your money where it to go and tell and, and rather than wonder where it went. Uh-huh. Um, number three, um, cash reserves, which is having a small emergency fund. Um, to cover little things. Number four is slay your debt dragons, which is get out of debt as quickly as possible. Don't take on debt. Um, it just helps the banks, not you. Mm-hmm. Um, number five, we talk about getting a bigger shovel. Sometimes you do everything you can, your means, and you're still struggling. You need uh, you need more income. You need to find a way to do that. So a bigger shovel is one that people really love. My wife does a great job in that one, yeah, showing like that people one how they can actually get more money in their, in their account. Uh-huh. It's not that hard. It just takes time and effort and a, th- a thought. So that's the, the the fifth one. And then um, after that, we talk about a moat full of crocodiles, which is a fully funded emergency fund where you have at least six months reserve where if anything happens, you can just quit your job, go help a relative that's gotten cancer. Anything that happens, you're you're set. You're prepared. You're ready. You're yep. ready. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we don't, we don't advocate hoarding, so you don't go far beyond that. Um, but then after that, we have... Several steps really just talk about how to live to give, how you can give more, um, how you can invest more for the future, for eternal future, how you can really um, raise the kingdom of Christ in this world as best as you can. And I really love, I really love Lyle how how the um the workshops always end with terms of you know how it is you can go out in the world and help more people because that's like that's the end goal to 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 financial wealth really and, and financial health is to be able to help other people and I just it's so it makes me so excited to get through all the other keys uh, so you can get to the final key and, and start helping people in a greater capacity because you know when you're when you're being blessed you need to be a blessing. Do you have to get through all those keys before you start helping people? Absolutely not. Do no. you have to start helping people to be able to get through those keys? 
I wouldn't say necessarily. At the start, some people are so drowning in debt and discouragement, they really need to get their own house in order before they can really reach out and help someone. Uh, you know, like on the airplane, they say, put your own mask on first before you help your child. Sometimes we got to get our own stuff together a little bit so we can we are then able to help other people. So that's that's okay if, if people are at that place. But what you find is when you start to give money away, and in, in, it's a great blessing to people, you get a much greater joy than than the help you give to other people. And that becomes contagious. And once you catch that, you don't want to stop. You want more so that you can give more. One thing I remember about your wife, because you and your wife do these presentations together, you're, you're a team. And one of the things that I've always just, it just stuck in my mind, in my memory, is... Um, her holding up her wallet and she has like a little clip and like a substantial amount of cash like notes in her wallet and she says you know once you're financially healthy you know you can do what I do is I always have this cash um, on me at all times so if I see someone in need I have some notes some like serious money to help them out and I was like, that is so cool. That is so cool. Like, you know, a busker or something like that, or they see someone just struggling, like she can just whip out her notes and just help out. And I'm like, that's just such a beautiful thing to do. And it's not like here's some spare change. It's like, you know, here's a yellow, here's a blue, here's a some serious money. I just, oh, it's so beautiful that if you, if you have been blessed, you can be a blessing in that way. And, yeah, that's right. It's really fun. And my kids are getting involved in this too because I have five sons. And so they see someone who needs say, Mommy, Daddy, can we help them? And so they start to get, uh, you know, instead of going through life, it's all about me, me, me. They start to see that this world and joy is about helping other people and looking out for other people. And we love to pass that on to our children and to the world around us. Yeah, that's fantastic. Marcus, we could uh, we could keep talking about this all morning, I'm sure. Um, unfortunately, we are, we are out of time, so we do need to move on with the show. Where can I get more information from? Yes. Um, that's a good question. Call 1-800-324-843, and we will let you know where Marcus is going to be running his next seminar. We should have come, build the to, come to Maitland. We should. Yeah, we should. yeah do a yeah, series at Maitland. Absolutely. Would that be all right with you, Pastor? We would love to do that. <laughs> Great. Lock it in. Let's do it. <laughs> no worries. Anyway, this is uh, Anders Svensson with Gone Are The Days.
to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio. Are you looking for a way to turn your life experience into an enriching gift for helping those around you? A counselling degree at Avondale College of Higher Education could provide you a great foundation to assist others through life's difficulties. Study in a personalised environment alongside a fantastic support network and community on our Lake Macquarie campus. Apply to study counselling today at counselling.avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. Have you ever been challenged by evolution? Ever struggled to give a reasoned answer for your faith? Or ever felt overwhelmed by the predominance of belief in evolution? Then you and professors from around the world will be presenting on the most astounding discoveries, completely refuting the theory of evolution. July 16 to 19, Avondale College, Kurumbong, New South Wales. For details, call us now on one 800 
We have this hope that burns within our hearts, hope in the coming of the 